Thanks for tuning in to the meditation conversation. Hop on over to karagoodwin.com. You can get a free 10-minute guided meditation right on the homepage to help you experience deep levels of peace. I also have lots of resources to learn meditation and to support your practice. And of course, by supporting those services, you are supporting my work, including the production of this very podcast to assist more souls on their path to awakening. Thank you for your support and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I'm joined by Lily Allen Duenas. Lily helps overwhelmed individuals reduce their emotional overload and find balance, breath, and space for self-care. She's the founder of the Wild Yoga Tribe and the host of the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. She endeavors to guide others on their path to living a life centered on wholehearted well-being. Welcome, Lily. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much. It's a joy to be with you. So tell us about your journey and what led you to helping so many people through yoga and meditation. Yeah, thank you for asking. So I actually started practicing yoga, or I first was introduced to the practice when I was 16, uh, a gym that was kind of close to where uh, I was going to high school. One of my friends was a member there. Her mom was and noticed, oh, there's this new class, want to try. And so I immediately felt like I was just coming home. I just felt this amazing connection to the practice and to, to feeling like I, it was something I'd never experienced before, that stillness or that breath or that connection or that energy just kind of felt so connected to it immediately. So I couldn't really practice much in high school. It was just offered so sporadically. And then when I went to university, I found a yoga studio and started going very regularly. But like anything that you know you do in your life, uh, it ebbs and it flows. So maybe I would go four times a week for six months. And then over the summer, I would just practice once a week, you know, so things would really ebb and flow. And then I, uh, after I graduated, I continued to practice. And then I was working in marketing management for seven years, kind of felt a little burnt out, a little overwhelmed. I, this burned out wasn't a term back then too. Like, let's oh, yeah. acknowledge that. This is- <laughs> when was this? Uh, so I transitioned, uh, well, when I was feeling really burned out was like 2016, uh, 2016 2017. Okay. And then I, uh, in 2017, kind of in and I just felt this huge calling in my heart to become a yoga teacher and to help others find kind of uh, wellness from within. And mm. I felt like I wanted to be, you know, the conduit or the guide to kind of help people um, get more in touch with that or in tune with that. So I pretty immediately <laughs> within like two weeks, I had a plane ticket. I had my yoga teacher training picked out in Kathmandu. I had the deposit paid. I had a, a month sabbatical approved from work. You know, it was just everything wow. but it really happened really quickly. And then like I it. quickly yeah. realized too, when I was there that I was meant to just keep on learning, keep on teaching, keep on growing. And so returned home, quit the job, uh, sold the car, packed everything up, and then um, got a job on a small island in Cambodia, moved there at the end of 2017, and then spent a few years just traveling and teaching and learning and doing vipassanas and meditation retreats and doing workshops and becoming a Reiki master healer and, you know, just so many different 
amazing modalities I've been able to learn and do trainings and courses on and also offer and workshops and different things that I've learned on the way. So that was kind of the the genesis story, if you will. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that you just felt that calling within you in Shavasana. And then it was like two weeks later, okay, I'm done. Here I go. <laughs> you know, I'm answering the call right now. Like that's yeah. amazing. Thank you. I felt like I had spent almost a full year though asking my inner intuition, my inner wisdom, kind of that question of what am I supposed to do? you know, Mm. with this one wild and precious life to quote Mary Oliver, but, you know, just that question of, I don't feel good where I'm at. What's next? Mm. And instead of being impatient and just running off and wanting to just, you know, I don't know, quickly make a change quickly, just move to Nashville, move to wherever, you know, I just didn't want to take Mm. a job and just go, but I wanted to make sure that whatever I chose was what I was really, my heart and my purpose was kind of calling for. So it, it sounds yeah. fast, but at the same time, it took a year to hear the voice. <laughs> so yeah. I had to be patient. Yeah. Well, then it's a nice balance there between, you know, the the heeding the call and, you know, like you say, being patient for making sure that it's what is actually um, resonating with you. So over the course of a year, I can imagine that you would have felt like you heard a lot of guidance during that time. Like, do you remember what it was that really clicked in with that, with those moments where you were like, oh, here, this is it. Mm. Bye. I'm going. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, I really vividly do because I was having a phone call with a great friend of mine named Evie back, in, uh, back from high school. We were just, you know, catching up on the phone, which we do maybe once or twice a year. So not very often. And she, I was kind of describing to her how I felt like a lot of unrest and a lot of like, Oh, you know, I don't feel so fulfilled and so you know good where I'm at and burnt out and stressed. And I said, all I want to do is just go do yoga and meditate just, you know, for a while. That's just all I need. That's all I want to do. She mm-hmm. said, well, why don't you go do that? I was like, huh. So then I kind of thought, oh, maybe I'll do a yoga retreat or hmm, maybe I'll take a, do a meditation, you know, go for a Vipassana. I just kind of was like, no, maybe I'll do that. And then I think it was within a couple of weeks of that, that something had clicked inside of me saying, oh, that's what I said I needed. Oh, that's what I said I wanted. And then in Shavasana with, you know, every time, every day asking myself that question, spending you know, the five minutes, the 10 minutes needed in the the asana to really just try to listen to that quiet inner voice. And, um, you know, and it wasn't soon after that, that it was like, oh yeah, be a yoga teacher. (laughs) Yeah. Did it, did it seem like it was your voice, your inner voice? Gosh, such a good question. I feel like, uh, I, I hope that, um, all of your listeners have a curiosity about themselves uh, or maybe it's just starting to spark. So I hope it's getting there, but I think it's been very important to my meditation journey and my journey inwards kind of having a sense of the voices inside of me, you know, Mm -hmm. you have this like divine connection. You have this, this connection to source inside of you already 
And so having kind of, I, I have a, you know, a visualization of what that would be for me personally, but I also do have a visualization of what my fear looks like. Oh, she, like I, she has a name. I can picture her perfectly. I know what she's wearing. I know what's, you know, how her shoulders are hunched. Like I can picture my fear perfectly. I talk to my fear in different, you know, med- guided meditations or self-guided visualizations and meditations. And I do that with the source side as well. And with that divine connection. And so I feel like that voice was my voice, but at the same time, not it's, it's something a a little outside of of me. Yeah. Yeah. Like a higher part of you. Maybe I, I love how you're describing, you know, all of the different aspects and facets of who you are and, and acknowledging them and seeing them and talking to them. And, um, it reminds me of internal family systems which I didn't know anything about. And then it it came up on a podcast recently. And then a friend of mine, um, separately, because I haven't even released that podcast yet, but um, she has been exploring IFS too. And it it sounds very similar to what you're talking about, but that, you know, recognition. And I just love, you must be a very visual person. Like I love how you talk about, you know, I can see what she's wearing. I can see how her posture is, you know, and, um, but that recognition and the inclusion and the, you know, the, instead of like the rejection and and how we tend to reject parts of us and Mm. yeah. Yeah. It takes takes so much time, I think, to, to be willing to kind of see the different sides of yourself and there's patience there's compassion needed, there's love. And I'm lucky to have, you know, had some great teachers and some great therapists and some great books come into my life to help me realize that through kind of visualization and through the act of actually, um, through the act of actually kind of picturing and meeting and talking, it is an enormous act of healing, mm-hmm. of meeting the self where they're wherever the self is and of not resisting because, you know, anything we're resisting is going to fight us back twice as hard or if we're resisting, there's also usually just such a beautiful lesson there for us to be learning. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And it shows up, it tends to show up anyway, you know, if we reject it and we don't want to see it, it's like, okay, well you can ignore that about yourself, but it's going to show up in, in your neighbor or it's going to show up in like your colleague or whatever, you know, it tends to like, we have to see it, even if we don't want to see it in ourselves, which is why also it can be so beneficial to really accept and, and integrate all of those pieces of who we are. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I am fascinated by the time that you've spent in Cambodia and Kathmandu and, you know, all of the, you know, you mentioned, you touched on like the traveling that you were doing during your, all the the training. And, um, and I know that before we, um, before we met today, that you have some transformative experiences that you mentioned, and I don't know the details, but I'm fascinated by that kind of stuff. So um, do you want to share some of like your Vipassana and silent retreat, like just some of the transformative things that you've been through that have been so, 
so powerful in, in this shift into who you are today? Definitely, definitely. Well, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention my first uh, foray into meditation was actually when I was like 12 or 13 at a YMCA mm-hmm. summer camp. There's a counselor there who offered me- morning meditation classes you know, for five days in a row. And each morning for 30 minutes is a different technique, like, um, you know, envisioning a, a candle and putting words, you know, or thoughts into a candle flame, you know, just different techniques every day. And for me to be a, you know, preteen and get to learn that was just so special. And I acknowledge yeah. that, like what a gift that a YMCA summer camp offered that. And I got right. to kind of ch- check that out. And it was something that I, I came to, I would sit cross-legged, you know, not that meditation is sitting cross-legged, but I know, you know, when t- uh, things felt particular, particularly chaotic in my life or my mind, I would try to sit and try to breathe and try to do this, a couple of the techniques that I felt alignment with. So I was curious about it. It was not something my family did. It was not something my parents or a best friend or I I didn't have like a Buddhist in my life to to introduce me, but it was something I was naturally kind of attuned to and curious about. And so that was the first foray that I, I do consider transformational as it was my introduction. And then when I uh, became a yoga teacher. You know, that was a 200 hour intensive in Kathmandu at Nepal yoga home. And it was just incredible, you know, 10 hours a day of asana, meditation, pranayama, history, philosophy, Ayurveda, like just, you just feel like you're in a crucible, but not in a painful way in the, just like, Oh, this expansion way. And so mm-hmm. that was very precious and an amazing time. But My first Vipassana, I like to kind of describe it as Vipassana light. It wasn't a Goenka or Mahasi. It was a, um, just a a Thai Buddhist monastery retreat center outside of um, Chiang Rai and Myungsung, if anyone else is familiar, (laughs) any listeners familiar with the north of Thailand. And so in this retreat, uh, you got to choose whether you wanted to do full silence or only silence during you know, the allotted eight hours or something. So it was. And for, in case anybody is not familiar with the term Vipassana, can you um, expand on that a little bit? Yeah, good, good question. So Vipassana, it's a term that was, I I don't know if it was coined by, I I definitely don't want to say it was probably made up by, uh, but it became more in the realm of lay people's knowledge um, with S.N. Goenka, and he passed away, and I think it was 1990. So he's a relatively, you know, a modern, um, the the father of modern uh, Vipassana meditation. So Vipassana is a translation of, of a Buddhist term in the Pali um, that means kind of special or super seeing, can also be translated as insight. So it's a way of training the mind. And there's Vipassana meditation, which can just be 10 minutes of a certain type of meditation type. But how this Vipassana term here in the you know, last, we'll say, 40 years has been used has kind of been to describe a meditation retreat. And this retreat is, is very intense. It's a 10 days of uh, silence and usually involves 10 hours of meditating per day, usually starting around 4 a.m. 
usually you're not allowed to have any books, any phones, any technology, any pens, any pencils, any paper, nothing that could provide any type of stimulus, stimulus or stimulation outside of the meditation practice. Mm. There's the Vipassana centers, the SN Goenka, the most traditional type are, um, it's forbidden to make eye contact. You know, oh, it's wow. forbidden to make hand gestures at another person. You know, it's complete isolation so that you can have no experience outside of your own mind. It's very important to kind of go in, 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 in deep, 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 as far as deep as you can go to your own mm-hmm. mental formations and kind of seeing them clearly, which is how the, the, the term translates to insight or seeing and then there is these other type of vipassanas. The S and Goenka is their traditional. If anyone's curious, there's a website called Dhamma, D-H-A-M-M-A dot org. Dhamma dot org is um, where you can find vipassana centers all around the world. There's hundreds and it's always free. It is free to go to a meditation retreat. You get free accommodation. You get two free meals a day. But you, oh. you can't leave and you can't uh, talk and you can't have your phone. You know, it's very, mm-hmm. it's not like one of those you see maybe on Instagram where everyone's taking beautiful selfies on a beach. It's it's not that type of retreat. It's mm-hmm. really for inner work. And it's amazing. But it's good to know that it's free. It's donation-based. So if you can choose to donate at the end, if you wish, um, which is beautiful and beautiful opportunities all around the U.S., all around the world if that's something they're curious about. Okay. Well, thank you. So, so you were on a Vipassana retreat and you were saying that it was like a com- you could choose how, how silent you wanted it to be. Yeah. This was a, a, a Vipassana light, I like to say, because it's a forest mm-hmm. monastery. We walked barefoot in the mountains every day. We did walking meditations. We, it wasn't just the traditional seated as well. There was Dharma talks with the monks so you had conversations. So that was my first one in Thailand in uh, 2018, we'll say roughly May. And then my next one was about a month and a half later in the official SN Goika in Sri Lanka at um, Dhamma Anuranda Para. I always mispronounce it, but if anyone wants to <laughs> find more information, they're welcome to send me a note or on my website, wildyogatribe.com. I do have a blog all and links and everything if they're curious to go a little deeper into these different centers I visited or need more information. So this one was the official, the full 10 days, very, very much a crucible, this time less pleasant, you know, with the, all of the restrictions and limitations, the 4 a.m., this 10 hours of just seated meditation. It's also forbidden to do yoga, forbidden mm-hmm. to do anything physical. You're allowed to walk very slowly you know, to the Dharma hall or to your little house, little hut, but like, that's the extent of what you're allowed to do. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, the slow walk to and from where you need to go. But other than that, every other physical exercise is, um, forbidden. And as I said, no phones, no, no pens, no, I was reading my shampoo bottle. Cause I was just like, you know, you just go a little banana. So you just start to read anything you can you That's can go funny. because you every day is just such a different journey You have days where you feel like, Oh, I got this. Oh, this is great. You have days where you feel like, Oh my gosh, I'm a crazy person. I literally have monkeys rolling barrels down my head filled with gobbledygook and I'm just bananas. Like, this is just, <laughs> but it's amazing to learn in that discomfort, in that mental kind of 
pain, what do you reach for? What is your fantasy land that you create in your head to create, provide comfort? Or how can you sit with more pain? And how does that look like when you feel like you're meeting your edge and your threshold? What, what happens then? And so discovering more and more about my habits, my patterns, my mental conditionings and formations, it's like an incredible experience to just kind of peel back all of the layers of the onion. And then you're staring at, there's no more onion. You're like, oh my gosh, there's no more onion. <laughs> like what else is there? <laughs> but you go, you go deeper, you go past the onion into, you know, what else, what else you can't name quite yet. I, I know there's, I'm very inarticulate, excuse me, your dear listeners, because I, some of the stuff really just feels like it transcends words, but I am right. doing my best. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, that's amazing that like getting to, I love that, that analogy to the onion, you know, it's like keep peeling it away and then what are you left with? And, um, and that, and you're so, it's really fascinating that you can't even have a pen. You can't even journal. You can't read because we have so many distractions in this, in this world, in this, especially in these times. And I notice, you know, I mean, we all can notice about how we, we just immediately start to distract ourselves in this day and age. The minute we have, you know, if we have to stand in line, if we have to wait, you know, sometimes waiting at a stoplight or, Whatever it is, it's like, oh, let me grab my phone or let me jot this down or whatever it is. Um, I know I was talking to somebody at one point and they were like, you know, I was flipping through Amazon or something like that. Like I was online shopping because I had I was feeling overwhelmed and I noticed that in that scrolling, I felt kind of meditative, you know, I because I felt like it was helping me, you know, the way that she was describing it, it was like, basically it, it helped her get into a different zone, but it was like, okay, that's it. That's helpful, but it is, it's a distraction. You know, you're not facing mm-hmm. what you're, you know, you're not, you're not sorting anything out. You're not, you're it's not, not productive. Exactly. Yeah. There's no, there's no progression through it. Um, so it's just going to hang there or it's going to get buried and, which doesn't mean it goes away. It just means that it could manifest in some other way, but, but we can have these, I mean, first of all, it just points to how, how important distraction is for so many in, in, in modern times, but also, um, that we can notice how that makes us feel to shift. I mean, even though it's, you know, there's a higher way to shift, you could say, um, where you're actually, you know, dissolving what it is that is ailing you or, or upsetting you or whatever it is you're trying to distract yourself from. You're facing it head on, letting it dissolve, letting it integrate, processing it, um, but releasing it. And that takes work. Um, but it, it was just funny that the, the there were so many gold nuggets in her description of that, of like, okay, there's the distraction piece, but there's the shifting, like you're recognizing that you're able to shift out of it um, 
through that act. But yeah, to be deprived of any ability to distract, even down to being able to write or draw or anything, that's that's full on for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> full yeah. on indeed. Yeah. But I, I love that you gave that example of a friend saying, oh, I, I was noticing that I got meditative when I was scrolling on my phone shopping when I felt anxiety. Like what a gift that she even noticed. Right. One, what she was doing, just noticing it. Two, how she was feeling, how it was changing her state. Like, wow, that is amazing that she could kind of have that metacognition, that ability to take a little step back. I love the example of Jim Carrey with the mask. It's like, if the mask is on his face, he just can't, he's the mask. But if he pulls it just a little off, it's like, then he gets to to have that perspective, right? Right. You, yeah. you, you feel more like yourself, your real self when the mask is just pulled a little bit away from the face. Right. So I don't mean that in the term of our, our artificial self. I just mean that in the term of a little bit of distance from our mm-hmm. thoughts provides so much clarity and so much um, just fodder for learning and for right. observation of, okay, our habits. Because scrolling, technology, that's an addiction. Shopping mm-hmm. and addiction, alcohol and addiction, you know, food and addiction. There's, there's all these things we turn to for comfort and distraction because they work. They do work, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's, that is true. They do, but they don't work in the long term. They, as you said, they don't, they're not productive. They don't solve a problem. They don't mm-hmm. make you a better person. They don't help you grow. They don't, make you a better partner, a better lover, a better friend, a better student, those things that take you away from yourself. Mm-hmm. And meditation and yoga is about giving you back to yourself. Mm-hmm. That's so beautifully said, Lily. I love that. So thank you for taking us through everything that it took to sort of transform you and get you from kind of, you know, the, the maybe more the mass con, you know, kind of like in with the, the corporate world, you know, I've been there too. (laughs) And and then going through, like, it was, it seems like you had your big learning phase where it was like, I just have to absorb a lot in a short time. And then now you're on the other side of that, where you're giving back and sharing with others and with what you've gained um, to be able to help others to transform. So you're doing this through Wild Yoga Tribe. So can you tell us about that? Yes. And I just will definitely note that I am not on the other side in terms of I'm still a student for life. <laughs> well, yeah, still, yeah. of course, um, learning always. And I, I am just so lucky to get to have the opportunity that people let me teach them. And that is, I suppose, the other side as well of the coin, but I still have both. Uh, So the Wild Yoga Tribe, I founded back in 2017 when I was just getting started, but it has just been such a beautiful growth as I've progressed and as I've had new offerings or new connections or new abilities. So the Wild Yoga Tribe is this community of yoga teachers or students, spiritual students or meditation. Um, People are interested in that or in traveling or anything kind of that would fall into that kind of realm of I'm curious about wellness. I'm curious about connection. I'm curious about growth. 
it's this community that has, has come together. And I do offer, um, a weekly podcast myself. It's called the Wild Yoga Tribe Podcast, where I interview one yoga teacher each week from a different country around the world, because I just think it's so important and so gorgeous and so lovely and vital for us to connect beyond our backyard, beyond Mm -hmm. the corner yoga studio that's maybe, you know, next to the Starbucks and you've walked by it a hundred times and you've thought, You've looked in, you think you know what yoga is. You've seen it on the 98 million yoga Instagram accounts that are out there, as last reported, really 98 million. So you think you know what it is. But what's amazing is it's not. It's not what you think it is. And it's probably not something that you even could guess. And which is amazing because but through hearing stories, through hearing philosophies and site, you know, backgrounds and and methodologies from people from every corner of the world, from every religion, from every race, from every kind of background. It's just amazing what we get to learn from each other, just like you and I today. Like we don't live in the same city and I love that we get to connect in this way. It's it's similar. And mm. I, I'm grateful that you're shining light um, as well. Mm. Beautiful. I love that. And it sounds like you because you kind of mentioned about you talk to a different yoga teacher from a different country every week, but then you mentioned all of the different like theologies and religions and so forth. So it's yoga in the broader sense. It sounds like not everybody is really related to, to yoga per se. Is that, is that fair? Oh, um, so yoga does originate with Hinduism, you know, back 10,000 mm-hmm. years ago, there's evidence of yoga in the texts of, um, however, I, I would say that, you know, yoga just translate directly to union mm-hmm. or even inner communion, which I think is such a beautiful definition, inner communion. And so I think yoga, and, and I've studied yoga in India, I've spent a lot of time in India as well. It's, it doesn't belong to Hinduism. Mm-hmm. And just like meditation does not belong to Buddhism, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it, it doesn't, it, it's not ascribed to a particular religion at all. So I, while it did originate with a specific religion in, in terms of that was the culture it was born out of, but I love I that it, it actually predates Buddhism. Meditation. meditation predates Buddhism. Is that what you said? Yeah, it uh, sure does. It sure does. 2,500 years ago, approximately, right? For Siddhartha Gautama. So, yeah, I mean, it's referred to in the Upanishads, which Mm -hmm. is thousands of years. Yeah, right, right. So, yeah, well, I love that. I mean, that is, you know, kind of the the secret definition of yoga is union. And um, so that's beautiful, just getting to highlight you know, the, the union and the connection and, um, and how that goes, it goes beyond our religious practices and traditions and cultures and so forth. So that's really beautiful. I love Definitely. that. So how can people find out more about you and connect with you, Lily? Well, if I would love to connect with anyone who is curious and 
my website is wildyogatribe.com. I'm on social media wherever you are at Wild Yoga Tribe, you know, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, wherever you are, I'll be there too. And uh, of course, my podcast, Wild Yoga Tribe podcast on Apple, iTunes, YouTube, Alexa, whatever you want it on. Um, and so I think the best way to reach me is on any of those channels. And it would be a joy to hear from you, respond to a question, or whether you're looking for some you know, private classes or just curious about retreats coming up or something, you know, I would love to connect. That's wonderful. Where are you physically located? I just moved. So this is a good oh. question. I just moved. I've been living in France for a year and a half and oh. I just moved to the U.S. back. I am from the U.S. originally. I probably should have mentioned that I'm from California mm-hmm. and now I moved uh, to Iowa. So we're oh, apartment. Wow. My husband and I are apartment hunting in Des Moines. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So where were you in France? We were, my husband is French, born and raised. Uh, so we were where he was from originally, which is in the north of France. We were in Calais, which is just, mm-hmm. you know, right on the beach, right on the English Channel. It's where the Euro Tunnel goes and all the uh-huh. harbors to take the ferry over to the UK. So yeah, it was a, it was a fun time. That's awesome. I uh, My husband's English, so I lived in England for four years on the other side of the channel. Hey. Um, that, was, that was a long time ago, but more recently we were in Italy. So, oh, beautiful. Um, Where in Italy? Bologna. Okay. How so far, we were, were you living there? Or Yeah, we were there for four years. We moved back in 2018. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's amazing that you guys, I, I guess we should have a conversation offline too about it because it's, yeah. a, it's a gift to be married to someone from another country, but also, of course, comes with so much yeah. red tape and bureaucracy and right. forms. Like I couldn't get a driver's license in France approved and I still to this day they just like rejected my application. Oh, and really? Like, this is ridiculous because anyway, but so Oh my just God. all of the red tape, all of the shenanigans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And I can only imagine that, well, I bet France is similar to Italy. I mean, red yeah, tape. When I would we say so. There, oh my gosh. Couldn't believe it. It was like, oh, yeah. It doesn't make sense too, right? You're always like, but it would be logical yeah. if X, Y, Z. They're right. like, no, it's definitely QPL. And you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not logical. <laughs> I love that. That's so funny. Well, well, this has just been delightful. Thank you so much, Lily, for being here. And thank you for everything that you're doing to spread your light and uh, really help people to transform and connect to their, their, to themselves, to their higher selves and, um, and get that whole wholeness within them. It's really beautiful. Thank you so much for your kind words and thank you for having me. It's been such, yeah, such a delight and a joy to be with you. Wonderful. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love for you to do me one quick favor, which is to think of one person who would benefit from hearing this content. Let them know you're thinking of them by sharing this episode with them right now. Thank you. And I look forward to the next meditation conversation.